Hello, this is Richard C. Wilson of the Family Office Club, and today we're doing an investor mandate interview with Joseph. Welcome, Joseph. How's it going? Thank you for, uh, for having me. Great. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. So you work in the venture capital space, correct? And you run a venture capital firm? Correct, correct. I'm the president and managing partner of We are venture capital and uh, micro PE investors uh, with a focus on sports, media, entertainment, and consumer. Uh, and over the past few years, a large focus on esports and gaming uh, specifically. Okay, cool. And uh, did you say micro PE or micro VC? PE. Micro PE. Okay. Um, I know some people may not be familiar with what that means. How how far down do you go in terms of EBITDA or revenue size? You know, where, where's the definition of micro? So we are, uh, I guess to give you a little background on, on ourselves, we're structured as a, uh, a holding company and we uh, invest across our core industries uh, with a couple of core tenants uh, in mind. And uh, those are three main things that we, that we look for uh, when we look to allocate capital. The first is, um, you know, is it uh, a thesis, a, a founder, a company, a product that we uh, wholeheartedly believe in? And, you know, we have spent our lives between myself and my founders working at the highest levels uh, of our core industry, sports and media and entertainment. That's why we have such a core focus uh, where we have that subject matter expertise and we have some of the most influential individuals in these spaces in our investor base and on our advisory board and our executive team where we can get firsthand insight and feedback to test or prove our hypothesis about a company uh, before we allocate capital or before we go too far down uh, in, into uh, diligence. Uh, the second thing that we look for is, uh, can we add tangible value? And I know every single investor out there says that their value add, especially in the venture world. Uh, but for us, as we said, we have a very core focus and we have whether it's pro athletes and influencers, whether it's uh, members of the C-suite of some of the largest companies in our spaces, whether it's family offices with incredibly strategic exposure or expertise within our core spaces. Uh, you know, we have a, a team and, uh, and a base that uh, can be tangibly value add. And uh, we like to do everything in our power to help uh, our companies go from point A to point B to get into trenches with them um, and, you know, that's something that we look for in advance is can we be tangibly value add uh, uh, investors and typically uh, those come or, or the ability to be value add investors uh, come in earlier stage venture deals where we can take a material piece of the cap table, take one or multiple board seats uh, and at that early stage when there's still a small team running lean you know, we can have our hands in helping them scale as efficiently and effectively as possible. Uh, and then on the other side of the business, um, you know, we do look at majority or controlling interest uh, positions within uh, companies that we feel we can plug and play a plus operators from our network that we feel like we can leverage our, uh, our relationships, our uh, team, our experience, uh, to really optimize a business and synergize it across the rest of our portfolio as well. And that's where the, the micro PE comes into play is in those controlling interest or, or even full buyouts in some cases, uh, if it's a compelling opportunity. And then the third thing we look for is, uh, you know, is it a fundamentally sound deal? Uh, you know, we don't want to chase valuations like you see on the West Coast uh, oftentimes with a, 
uh, you know, $20 million pre-seed round with nothing more than a deck just because the founder came from Google. You know, we don't think that that makes a lot of sense. You know, we are, were born and bred in, uh, you know, in value investing principles. And I think that those principles can still apply in early stage uh, investing or with higher growth businesses. And, um, you know, that's the perspective that we like to take is, is it a good deal? Is it a fundamentally sound deal? And then if, you know, those three boxes are, are checked, um, you know, then we were able to to move forward and, and see if there's a deal to be made. And, and oftentimes because of our strategic uh, or our core focus and our strategic network, we can do so at, you know, preferred or discounted terms as well. So uh, that's kind of what we look for in terms of the types of deals that, that fit within our thesis. Sure, sure. And um, to go back to the beginning of that, to make sure listeners don't miss it, um, gaming was one of the four areas you go into, did you say consumer? Yep. So sports, media, entertainment, and consumer are those four more general buckets. Uh, esports and gaming is something that um, we were uh, started to deploy capital in very early on when we first came together as a group. Um, you know, we were on the ground uh, really at the very earliest of inflection points in those industries. You know, we um, are one of the few investment groups out there where the average age of our founding team is in our 20s. But, you know, we've spent our entire lives working at, the, at, at incredibly high levels of these industries. And because of that, you know, we like to invest in uh, or prefer businesses that have young people, emerging generations in mind as their target demographic, because we feel like we can uniquely understand how those demographics are consuming, consuming, behaving and adapting to new trends compared to older uh, investors who may not have that firsthand knowledge or insight or feedback, as well as distribution channels to those, uh, that demographic. And as a result, we identified esports and gaming as a whole as one of those things that, uh, you know, uh, four or five years ago now that, that young people were turning to esports and gaming as primary sources of entertainment, as places where they build communities, form relationships, engage with each other, um, and we saw the average age of traditional sports fans increasing and of esports fans and gamers decreasing as it became a larger and larger part of mainstream society and, and started deploying capital in those spaces. So, um, you know, we uh, were, were pretty lucky with a few wins in that space thus far and, and a couple of, uh, of, of um, deals that have allowed us to ingrain ourselves really at the very pulse of that industry. And, and that's certainly something that remains a very core part of our, our thesis. Right, right. Yeah, that all makes sense. I mean, I know that I remember it was seven or eight years ago, the first year that video games produced more money than movies. Mm -hmm. And I remember that being a big turning point, maybe seven to 10 years ago. And I can only imagine during COVID seeing the numbers of, you know, video game use doubling and sports going down to almost nothing. Yep. Um, it must be great for your, some of your holdings must be doing pretty well despite all the, the bad health things going on. I think that esports and gaming are some of the only spaces that have benefited in some capacity from everything happening in the world right now, where uh, with traditional sports and entertainment on hold, people are, uh, or there's an incredibly captive audience of people that have been stuck at home over the past few months and are looking for something to do uh, without those traditional outlets of entertainment or community. And um, you know, esports, the, the major leagues that we own franchises in have been featured in basically every major media publication over the past couple of months, from the New York Times to Time Magazine to Bloomberg to CNBC. Uh, viewership has increased quite a bit. First-time console buyers, first-time Twitch viewers, first-time mobile gamers, 
and not just young people anymore, but people of all demographics, of all generations that, again, are just looking for something to do and are turning to esports and gaming. Uh, now you see a lot of the casinos in Vegas uh, and the influx of interest they've had in esports betting from traditional sports bettors that are just looking to get some action. Uh, so uh, across the board, I think that, you know, we were incredibly bullish on the the tailwinds behind esports and gaming as a whole. And I think that this crisis has just accelerated those trends even further um, as esports and gaming become a larger and larger uh, piece of, of mainstream culture in general. Right. right, right. I'm sure we can talk for a full hour about this, but another thing is <laughs> three young kids myself, you know, um, having somebody just kind of zombie out and stare at random YouTube videos versus actively using your brain strategically and, you know, um, playing a game actively versus just staring at something kind of brain dead state wise is also something I know that parents are, you know, more favoring something that is active and interactive. And, you know, the more and more the technology gets integrated with being brought up as a child and there's iPads and screens everywhere, you know, I think more and more parents are going to be, um, slanting towards having them play a game versus stare at someone else's random content of opening up a chocolate egg or something. So I think um, I can definitely relate to that whole trend. I think it's going to become even better for you guys here over the next few years. So that's exciting. I'd be happy to keep in touch as you guys continue to grow. Um, you know, and I'd like to see materials on what you guys are up to just so I can keep you in mind for deal flow. I see coming through the family office club or an investor who maybe could be strategic for you guys. So uh, as a follow-up, let's um, let's uh, have you guys send over some materials to us, and then we can keep you in mind. And then this interview is going to go within our member portal, so hopefully I'll make some great connections through the club as well. Uh, any last points you wanted to make um, about your firm or your investment sector uh, that you wanted to make sure and get in during the interview? No, I mean, as, as I said, um, you know, we try and be as, as uh, strategic and purposeful uh, and, and tangibly value add within our spaces as possible. You know, I, I, uh, we built our firm on the basis of uh, not, uh, not really understanding the traditional Silicon Valley fund model of, you know, I'm going to take this incredibly rigid mandate, uh, invest in 100 deals over the next two years, maybe pay attention to 10 of them. Let's hope one returns the entire fund. And let's move quick enough that we can go raise the second fund and collect those fees as soon as possible. You know, I just, I don't think that makes sense. I don't think that aligns uh, fund managers uh, with their LPs or with their founders uh, in, in any capacity. And I don't think that's how you cultivate the returns that you need to create uh, for, for everybody. And that's why, you know, we keep a small portfolio. We have what, what I think is among the best deal flow in our industries because of our core thesis and because of the relationships we've built up and the strategics on our cap table. Um, we're incredibly patient and selective, but uh, you know, when we deploy capital, we do so, uh, you know, having spoken to as many of the highest level folks in our industries as possible, as well as prospective acquirers down the line. And we have the ability to get in the trenches with the companies that we invest in and, and take them to that point uh, uh, and, and accelerate their growth as much as possible. So, uh, you know, that's kind of what we built our firm on the back of. And, uh, you know, we are incredibly excited, not only because of that thesis and structure, but also because these industries that we have put ourselves at the very center of uh, are ones that are seeing exceptional growth uh, and, and ones that uh, a lot of people are interested in. Uh, learning more about and, and potentially deploying capital uh, in. So I think it's going to be an exciting time for 
these spaces that we've been playing in over the next couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think so too. Um, I'm excited to watch you guys grow even further. So um, let's keep in touch. If anyone in the family office club would like to get in touch with Joseph then just let us know. It's one of the benefits of membership. If you're a member here to help make connections. So appreciate your time here today. Appreciate it. Thank you. Take care.